More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Dixa Rocks and Organic Farm, weaving worlds together. In a remote mountain village in Teotitlan de Valle, Mexico, the Niza families combine a consummately modern approach to marketing with ancient artisanship and singular local wisdom. The 14,000-year-old craft of Beniza textile has gained traction with a global audience on the digital marketplace through Dixa Rugs and Organic Farm. Dixa is a business owned and operated by the Bautista Lazo family, master weavers for countless generations. Their rugs are hand-dyed and woven from Criollo native wool, which honors both the timeless method of their ancestors as well as the enduring quality they produced. Samuel Bautista Lazo is the latest in a long line of Bautista Lazos to run the business. Unlike his ancestors, however, he studied in England where his research focused on eco-efficiency, industrial ecology, eco-design and industrial waste management. It was other, more mundane experiences while in London, however, that led to a sea change in the way his family business would operate. We sat down with Samuel to discuss the fundamentals of rug weaving, the importance of sharing indigenous wisdom, and the next generation's take on traditional artisanship. Enjoy this episode with Samuel. I think for me, like, you know, it's been such a rewarding learning journey to read about your family business, uh, Samuel, because really I knew nothing about the craftsmanship behind the rugs that that you guys create and, and their culture and yeah. it was so educational. But I think it like before we talk a little bit more about kind of exactly what it is that you do and everything, can you give us a bit of a background of your own journey? I would love to understand like, you know, how you came to do what you do today and, and how you came to do that with your family. Our craft is communal. The land where we live is communal. And then this community is organized by many cells, right? Which are the nuclear families, if you will. And uh, yeah, in our family, uh, it's it's always been the case that uh, on my dad's side of the family, they were actually more in the farming. They farmed a lot and they wove on the side, like mm. little projects. And on my mom's side of the family, they were butchers and then they wove on the side. Okay. Our history of weaving, you know, goes back a long time ago. There's been, um, you know, some like 14,000-year-old textiles made with agave fibers, which were one of the earliest materials that were used in this valley to make rugs before we domesticated wild cottons and, you know, way before we started to use sheep only 500 years ago. So the weaving skill has remained a community heritage. Mm-hmm. And it's just part of the way of life. You do uh, one kind of trade, and then you always do weaving on the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, when the craft of weaving just started blooming, when they built the airport and highway, more and more families transitioned fully into weaving. And uh, 
when my parents got married, then um, they decided to do more of the farming because my dad got some of that land and the weaving. They had their business since they got together, you know, around the 80s. And uh, they've had like 30 weavers working with them from the village and from wow. other neighboring villages. And that's that's how they were in the business of mostly weaving wholesale rugs to be exported to the southwest of the U.S. Mm. And uh, that just was the reality of the time. At the time, uh, there was a huge demand for rugs because they were um, kind of they were introduced to the U.S. as a cheap alternative to uh, Diné and Hopi uh, style rugs which are more expensive and so so that was uh, the main business that uh, u.s entrepreneurs right came to a village and uh, in the beginning you know they were buying rugs off the loom because they, they couldn't find enough rugs and then as people realized that oh wow the world is interested in our rugs and uh, they dedicated more of their family time to weaving rather mm -hmm. than farming. And that, you know, slowly transitioned, but we've always remained connected to the earth in the farming of, um, well, we call it milpa, which is the corn, beans and squash, mm -hmm. which is uh, the very first food forest that can um, supply the needs of, the nutritional needs of a family with uh, about four months of work, you know, here and there. And then the rest of the year, you have it to do crafts and to do other things. I wanted to ask you, today you have, you guys have e-commerce, you offer Airbnb opportunities to like, you know, people coming in and staying with you guys and everything. So all of this technology has immersed it. Did you guys ever feel like there was a conflict between, you know, safeguarding your traditions and your identity and like, you know, commercializing that part of it, like, you know, to the outside world and everything. Do you guys ever feel conflicted about that part? To be honest, it's an adaptation. And uh, it's not something we choose to do. When we were going to markets to sell rugs, we would always invite people, you know, because we wanted them to see our town. We're proud of the sacred mountain. It's right in front of our house. And... Uh, also, um, there is an ancient temple underneath the church with all the motifs that we weave that our ancestors made, you know, thousands of years ago and carved them in stone. And it's nice when people can relate to that mm -hmm. instead of, you know, just a product in the market. So we've always been open in that way to tourism. But anyway, it's just this relationship with the market. There's a daily market going on here every morning. Mm -hmm. And so... That's the market. It's it's a sacred place where we all meet to share not just products, but stories and uh, to make friends. That's actually where my uh, parents met. You know, my dad was hanging out in market and he used to see my mom, you know, um, carrying out loads of meat to, to mm. sell in the market. So for us, you know, uh, markets are, are not these, you know, places where you... Uh, just meet for transaction. Mm. There are uh, intimate places where you meet for connection. And in that way, from the very beginning, we had this approach. And every weaver in a village has this approach 
when they go and sell rugs. Of course, you know, you want to make the sale, but it's rare that you you don't find that pushiness that you find in other parts of the world where they're throwing rugs at your face. Uh, people, you know, genuinely want to connect. And especially when I was a young teenager, you know, I was always, oh, where are you from? How do you say hi in your language? And I learned how to say good morning in 14 different languages. <laughs> useful and so that's yeah i think before if i if i had been clever i should have come with the airbnb concept <laughs> but we were doing that uh you know in a smaller scale from the early beginnings and so when i came back to do my studies from england i studied sustainable manufacturing and i left around 2008 when the economy kind of crashed mm-hmm. and then my parents they focused more on the farm. We had like 80 sheep, 120 sheep, and they were focused more on the farm and doing some side weavings. But I think when I came back, I had some some new uh, ideas on how to approach the business and to develop more of those uh, intimate connections with the customers. So I had heard of Airbnb when my friends would have to go to London and... (laughs) They were saying like, oh yeah, you should use that. It's it's a, it's a nice way to, uh, you know, to find places to stay that are amazing and uh, meet the locals. And I was thinking, oh wow, I should do that in my village. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and yeah, just the, having the experience of being abroad as well, you know, gave me a, just a global um, framework where I could uh, think. Um, and it was also easier to connect with people, you know. After, after being abroad and uh, having that cultural exposure. So yeah, we started um, doing the Airbnb first. And right away, you know, our first guest was taking a wedding class from another family. And we were mm-hmm. like, what? I mean, um, in the past, we were more secretive about our weaving techniques. So yeah, in the beginning, we were reluctant to teach weaving. And more and more people, you know, just kept coming for that. And it seems like there was a need for it. And then uh, personally, I think I came to the realization that, you know, weaving, it is an essential skill for living on this planet. Mm -hmm. And just like growing your own food, you need to learn how to make your own clothes. And until you weave your own clothes or your own textile, you realize, you know, first, the connection, you know, to the raw materials of the earth that go into making that cloth. Yeah. And once you realize that connection, you know, you see the direct impact. You and your family and probably other, other people in the community, you brought in all this innovation at the same time, like so different ways of like, you know, leveraging your own cultural heritage and, and everything. And, but was everyone in the community okay with this? Did you face some resistance? Like as a people, as you said, like, you know, because it's normal, I guess that, you know, as a community, you can be quite secretive about your trade secrets, right? Like that has made you special yeah. over the years. This is like what you've been doing that made you special and everything. Did you, did you find resistance in your community? Like did, or did all the Benita people basically say like, you know what, that's great. Samuel, we're behind you. This is fantastic. Let's do this. Yeah, I mean, and uh, that's not really our main our main focus, but it's more of a side thing that brings people here. There is still talk in the community radio um, 
I think people are more worried about uh, if you teach, <laughs> and this is this is uh, funny because it's uh, strategically we're more worried if if the neighboring village learns our craft because then <laughs> you know they'll become like our immediate competitors. Yes, but if yeah. 60-year-old retired grandma learns this craft to make a few rugs for her grandsons or her relatives and or if some young people you know take on this and you know it doesn't really um affect us in that way Mm -hmm. on the contrary it expands you know the culture of weaving of handmade stuff and that's what we're i think if we see it as this big picture that the less IKEA rugs people buy, the better it is for every, you know, hand weaving yeah, village in the world. The real threat is when these big corporations, you know, appropriate our patterns and symbols and culture to market, you know, cheaply made rugs to, you know, a mass market. And uh, I think that's kind of the arguments that I put forward with people I talk to. There is no like formal consensus. There is no like entity or you know committee that governs these issues. It's more um, just the way it has evolved. The way that you do business as a community, so the Benita people, like how would you compare? So you've been abroad, like you've compared this, like you've been able to compare this to American standards, like Europeans. Like you've seen everyone do business in their own way. What do you think is special about how? you as a community do business in terms of your values and in terms of like, you know, you said yourself, you, you studied uh, sustainable manufacturing. Uh, I doubt they yeah. could teach you anything that you guys didn't already know <laughs> probably for centuries, <laughs> but, but you know, it's, yeah. it would be interesting to understand, like, you know, when you started like realizing what the rest of the world, how they manufactured, what they're doing, how they're conducting business, what stood out to you about the way that you are doing business, your community does business, and, and where do you see that maybe these practices would be beneficial to be adopted by, you know, a wider, like uh, like other other businesses as well around the world? The important thing, because we're a community, in some way or another, we're all related to each other. Mm. You know, I'm working with this weaver and that weaver, and, you know, someday he could be, you know, part of the family. Mm-hmm. And so we're all related to each other. And so I think um, if we see ourselves as this bigger family, which is, you know, a lot of um, corporate cultures are trying to build, right? But I mean, here is literally, you know, mm-hmm. this weaver will become your compadre, your, mm-hmm. uh, or you'll be the godfather of this family, or maybe your uh, your daughter will fall in love with the son of this family. <laughs> yeah. And so on, you know, and I think that uh, that nature of intimate connections just makes our businesses work better, you know, because there's always that trust. Mm-hmm. It's a very unique um, environment here because it's a village of around, right now, probably around close to 9,000 people. Mm-hmm. And almost everybody is a weaver, 80% of the working population. We also work uh, with two other villages that are next to us. Between three villages, the other two villages have around 4,000, 5,000 people. But between three villages, we manage to weave 12 tons of rugs per month. Mm-hmm. So, you know, often uh, 
when we talk about um, crafts, you know, we imagine like, oh yeah, you know, I make one or two baskets or one or five rugs per month. But no, like here, it's actually a a decent scale, like mm-hmm. 12 tons of rugs, at least. And it's the nature of rug business to have a lot of inventory, right? But that's how much raw materials we're buying from suppliers. Mm. And it's it's a sizable amount, you know, and yet there is no single roof factory. I think there is no, no single like CEO or any like, mm. you know, title uh, that goes with with this organization. It's... um. It's just really a network of relationships. Yeah. What does it look like for the next generation in your community? Like, are all the young people as motivated as you are to stay in the village and to continue working on the traditional crafts and the traditional industries? People here really take pride on their roots. I think Mm. that's pretty unique from our village and most native communities in the south of Mexico, like from Mm. Mexico City to the south were really rooted but particularly here um i think we found a way to capitalize on this identity mm-hmm. and we we don't have a problem with that you know um from the very beginning because we're we're such an open society you know um there's books about our people you know um and our rugs and there is rugs and then there is pictures of a wedding and there's pictures of the grandma making tortillas mm-hmm. and And we're really showing, you know, uh, our ways here. So I think that's um, that's what helps us. In our ancient teachings, we have it. Um, we say uh, one matures when you find your true face and your true heart. And when you stay true to that, you know, you are grounded. Mm-hmm. So I think um, because we we know our true face and our true heart, you know, we're able to to keep on this path and and be flexible with it you know if if it needs to go on this way or on other ways like like right now with the design trends being so chic and boho style you know even our color palette and uh we just notice you know all oh, people like these pale colors now okay yeah. we'll do more yeah. of them yeah but um but yeah it just fits and and uh and we We kind of have, I think we're striking a balance between ancient tradition and modernity. Mm-hmm. And the younger generations, you know, they might be wearing some like jeans that are ripped and they're cool. And then they wear the Oaxacan top, handwoven Oaxacan embroidered blouse or, or shirt. So we're connected to the internet, but we're still listening to the elders. and. Uh, And it's a fine balance, you know, but uh, but we're still trying to keep it that way. Well, I think that's a, that's a beautiful conclusion also to end this interview on, to be honest with you, someone. I think it's a lot of wisdom that you gave us there in this answer, <laughs> things to think about. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your world and, and for teaching us so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for doing this interview. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.